Hey everybody, welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite, and today we have a special treat. We have Neil Patel, who to me is somebody very, very important. He's actually the reason why I got started in entrepreneurship. Um, crazy story that I'm going to get into, but you know, so happy to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Dude, I, I remember the first time we met, it was in Washington. I was yep. at some conference in Seattle specifically. Yeah. And we met, and I was like, oh, this kid has potential. You're with two other people, I believe. Yep. You know what's crazy? I That was the first time we met, and when we did, I was, like, so nervous, so scared. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just got this guy to, like, wave his speaking fee. He came to speak to a bunch of kids. Um, and then when you did your breakout session, like I didn't even have the projector up or anything. You just wait, wait, were you in high school or college at the time? I was in high school at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I was so happy that did, you came and you did, keynoted in front of like so many people or so did, many kids. Yeah. Did you end up going to college? Uh, I went to college for a year and then dropped out. Good for you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank for, you. Uh, you know, I, I think for certain professions it's required, but I wish I didn't go to college. It was a big waste of time for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I agree. I only had to go for the year because it was kind of like a deal that I made with my parents that I was like, look, if I can make money, um, then I'm dropping out, you know? Yeah, you don't need to go. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but the main reason why, you know, I'm really glad that you're joining is because that for me, this is truly like a full circle experience where I don't think I'm at my, you know, prime yet, but I definitely do think I have a, you know, solid business at the moment. Yeah. When I first, you know, knew you and started talking to you and diving into your stuff, I knew nothing. Um, I didn't know anything about digital marketing and you were like the only person that ranked and had a personal brand. Like, in fact, uh, I looked not too long ago, but if I'm correct, like you ranked for, uh, either SEO or digital marketing, like number one and number three for like, you know, completely different, um, uh, businesses and stuff like that. So to me, that's crazy. I haven't, I haven't checked in years, so I'm not too sure, but I think we get decent traffic from search. So it's, it's been, it's been a good run for us. Yeah. Um, what, what's crazy for me is like in the beginning when I was first getting into your stuff, I read every, I, I read like almost every single blog post. I remember commenting on everything. Now you can confirm right here, right now, was it actually you responding back to me and emailing me back or was yes. it somebody else? No, that was me. Back then it was me today being quite frank. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, at least I was talking to you. Yeah. Um, and, and it was crazy because th the reason I brought these books is because I actually forgot I had them. Um, but when I was taking a look, so these books are not books that you actually made. Um, but all these are blog posts, oops, blog posts from like the year that you wrote them. So this <laughs> is like 2013. This is 20, this is 2012. Here, sorry, 2012. And this is the, the, the his infamous shirt. I hate doing this shit. Um, and then this is from 20 or 2007 to 2010. So like I was so, so deep into like a lot of these blog posts. Um, and at first they were like, you know, I, I would say not that long. Yeah. And then they started getting like longer and incredibly long. in depth. Well, well, here's a funny thing. I didn't realize how many books I actually wrote until you presented it here. I'm like, oh crap. I probably written like four or five books in my life. These are, yeah, these are big, big pages. And I, that's because I like put it into like 10 font, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, main reason I wanted to bring this out is because like that's, this was the start for me. I know we don't speak, you know, as much anymore, but like, yeah. you know, sometimes you'll still message me. I, I still fo I follow you on uh, Instagram. Yeah, so yeah. I see all the cool stuff. You always have like car stuff and you always have steak stuff. I think yeah. you love steak, right? I do. I do. In fact, I was telling my girlfriend, this <laughs> funny story. I sometimes like hide some of my stories from you because, you know, sometimes you'll message me like, dude, don't spend money on that <laughs> or like spend money on better stuff. So I'm like, you know, I'll hide certain nah, stories. You don't have to hide it. Be yourself. 
Yeah. And then you have a kid now, right? I have a kid, which is crazy because you have kids. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You just Thank you. You, you guys gave birth in less than a year, right? Yeah. 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 So um, I want to talk talk about um, you know your family life because when I knew you, that was non-existent. Yeah, non-existent. Um, you know, we were talking to Jeff outside, and he was saying at the point he was saying like maybe at one point it was never going to happen or like it, you know wasn't supposed to happen. No, I, marriage wasn't. I never planned for marriage. I thought I would never get married. Yeah. And then it just happened. <laughs> Talk to me about that. How did it just happen? I was dating the same person for a long time, got along. She wanted to get married. I liked her, loved her. Uh, I still do. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going to get married. I never really thought about having kids. She wanted to have kids. I was like, okay, sounds good. And, yeah. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I was like, man, this is going to be a lot of work. I right. don't know. And, uh, now I'm extremely happy that I got married and I have kids. And what's funny is I've done better in business post-marriage than pre-marriage. And I think a lot of the reason is, is you just focus more. Yeah. Is right. it because you have less time to work so that, you know, because you also have to be with family so that. No, know. I have more time to work. You have more time to work now? Yeah, because when you're single, you want to party, you want to go out, you're not as productive. And when you're married, and you find the right partner, they understand you, and yeah. you can just crank. Like, my wife is really chill. She'll just be like, you know, just give me 10 minutes of attention a day. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I give her more than 10 minutes of attention. <laughs> right. But, like, she doesn't force me to, like, spend five hours a day watching kids or anything like that. She's like, you love working. I knew this before we got married. And yeah. she's just like, keep working. It's your thing. Yeah. Um, when you were single, though, I don't think you were the party type, or were you? You didn't seem like it. I was partying a lot. Wow, that was not, uh, I mean, it was just wasn't something that I thought about, you know, when I yeah. thought of Neil Patel. Um, I remember at one point, my buddies and I would come to Vegas when we were in California at least twice a month to just party it up. And yeah. that was just partying in Vegas, but yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And for like the weekend? Like you guys come for the entire weekend or for the week? or Yeah, how but multiple like? times a month. Yeah. And we did that for a long time. Plus, we would party in like Southern California or yeah. wherever we were. And I would fly in literally from Seattle each time to meet because my buddies were coming from California. I was flying in from Seattle. Yeah. And then I also had a place here in Vegas for a while. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, who you were on earlier with, he would come down and stay. But like, yeah, when I lived in Vegas, I was on the strip. So it's like, again, party all the time. Yeah. Um, and... I, when do you think you started, you know, I mean, I don't know if that was a bad decision back then, but when do you think you started maturing out of that? Is it when you got married or was it way before then? No, it was way before that. Yeah. So I am 37 right now when I was in my, call it late 20s, early 30s, partying and drinking just became really hard. Right. And I think there was a certain period of time, I don't know when it was, I developed um uh, I ended up becoming allergic to alcohol. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but like if I take a sip of alcohol yeah. within like five minutes at the latest, I'll have a hangover. What? And it's the same feeling, like a massive headache. Yeah. And it's literally within, you know, a few minutes to five minutes max of just taking a small sip. So it's not like you can get drunk taking a right. really tiny sip. It doesn't matter if it's beer or vodka. It doesn't matter what I'm drinking. If I take a tiny sip, I get a massive headache. So then I just don't drink alcohol and i think i built that up by not partying as much and not drinking and i remember i went through a period for like a year and i didn't drink not on purpose not like i was trying to quit and i didn't really get drunk anyways when i was partying 
um, I would have a drink or two, but it was more so I think my body just got used to not drinking. And then now if I take a sip, just tells but me you're not. sober now. Yeah. You know, I haven't taken a sip in a long time. How long? Years? Yeah. I don't know how long, but it must been, must be years though. Yeah. Yeah. Easily years. And it had nothing to do with COVID because when I started dating my current wife or my wife, when I started dating her, I was never a big drinker. I would only drink socially and only have one or two drinks. So it right. wasn't like I was getting trashed or drunk or anything like that. And it was a relationship. I just slowly stopped. Not because she told me to or I wanted to. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and I was just trying to be healthier. And I was like, eh, I don't really care to drink. And then all of a sudden, I think I built up, you know, I built up something in my body where now when I drink, it's like it's just not used to drinking. So it causes issues. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and in your current, you know, lifestyle, um, how is it like being a father? Because uh, that's good. Yeah. My daughter's like me. She's three. She'll watch like CNBC with me yep. and like watch TV and just sit next to me. My son, you know, we were at a pumpkin patch the other day. He like wants to touch the animals and like. How, how old is your son? One. Got it. My daughter's more like me where she's just like, oh, I don't want to touch the animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to go on the big slide. You know, let's go watch TV together and let's talk. Yep. And she's very similar to me. That's good. And right now, um, you know, what? so do you mainly just work? Like, is that like your biggest thing or what else? Work, hang out with friends. I have quite a few friends who live in Vegas. Yeah. Um, I think that's really all I do. Work, hang out with friends and family. And for work, are you still doing, um, the, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure the digital marketing agency. Um, yeah. So we have a digital marketing agency called NP Digital. Yeah. Uh, that's we're on our fifth year anniversary just hit uh, in October. So we finished up our fifth year. Nice. So I was really happy about that. And yeah, it's grown nicely. We're now in a lot of different countries. We just expanded to Germany before we were U.S., Canada, Australia, U.K., Brazil, India. Um, I'm missing some. Yeah. I know we just did Germany. We're now looking to do the rest of LATAM. I think we're also expanding soon into Italy, France, Portugal, um, and a few other regions. That kind of reminds me of like when you were writing blog posts, you said one of the biggest things that helped with the search traffic is uh, translating it to different uh -huh. international expansion. Yeah. Yeah. So is that why you guys are kind of doing, you know, Portugal in different locations too? Is so forget traffic, right? Imagine yeah. you're a big company like Microsoft or Apple or Google. People see Microsoft as a U.S. company. Right. People see Apple as a U.S. company. People right. see Google as a U.S. company. And the list goes on and on. A lot of these large companies like Tesla and so forth and so on were started here in America. You agree with that, right? Yeah. It's a fact. Yeah. But if you actually think about it, they're not U.S. companies. They're global companies. They generate sales in China, Brazil, India, Australia, yeah. Mexico. Like You name the country. They didn't get to becoming multi-hundred billion dollar companies or trillion plus dollar companies by being in one region makes sense and what's funny is at np digital when we're doing the marketing for some of these large corporations they'll be like we need you to help us market in this region in europe or in or this country specifically in europe and there'll be random countries sometimes like lithuania or you know and, and they'll want most of europe as well but our customers even if they first start working with us within the united states they want us to help them market their businesses globally. Yeah. And that's where the marketing dollars are. Imagine, right? Like um, we are looking at one of our competitors because our competitors are publicly traded. 
And a lot of them generate 10 plus billion dollars a year in revenue. So they're quite large. And when you look at their, the economics of their business, for most of them that we've seen, 75 plus percent of their income is generated through overseas. Wow. So Non-United States. Yeah. And how do you develop a team overseas? Hire a leader, start building out a team from scratch. Um, our CEO of, of our ad agency worked at Dentsu, which is another uh, Japanese conglomerate. And they owned an ad agency in the technically a global one that did digital marketing or performance marketing called iProspect. Okay. And they had like four or 5,000 employees throughout the world. Um, so it was a small division, but they did a decent amount of revenue. And he ran the whole thing. And we ended up recruiting him as our CEO a few years ago. Um, and he already knew how to do it. Right. So it's rinse and repeat. Yeah. So for you, it's just finding the right person that already has done it or you know, has done something similar and then just you know, kind of giving them the reins to, to go ahead and move forward? Correct. The, the key to my success is, so I'm a terrible leader. I'm a terrible manager. I know where I suck. I know where I'm good and I focus on what I'm good at. And what I like doing is finding people who have done it before successfully. So here's what I mean by that. When I'm looking for someone for a, a position and yeah. I want to be successful, what I end up doing is I go find someone on LinkedIn who has worked out one of my competitors, not a semi-competitor, but an actual real competitor, yeah. like exact replica of what I want to be, someone bigger than me. And what I do is ideally look for someone who's been at that company for a while and who's gone multiple promotions and raises. Yeah. So when you interview someone, people always say they did this and they did that and they're great. Man, you never really know. A lot of it's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And you can't call up that company and be like, did they actually do this? Like, oh, you're interviewing? Like, that doesn't work. Right. right? This is... You don't do that. But if they've worked at three competitors, not one, not two, but three, they stayed at each of them for a long time. If those companies were successful and they got promotions at each of those companies, and again, they stayed there for a while. Yeah. And they kept climbing the ranks. And again, three competitors, right? Yeah. If they were successful at three companies in your space, there's a good chance they'll do it again the fourth time. Right. And right. if you can't find three times, because sometimes that's hard, at least look for two times. Um, and again, if they got promotions within both those organizations, it means other people found them valuable to give them promotions. And again, there's a good chance they'll do it again for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so right now, then, are you the person that you know does the, like the senior leadership portion where no. you're hiring? No, I don't do any of that. I focus on the marketing. That's all I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Marketing so, and product. We have a software division, so I focus on that. I love doing the marketing aspect, but at this time, we're still a small company, but we have 750 people. Yeah. So, like, once you get to a certain headcount, like, yeah, obviously, you have to. You, you just become a person in the, you know, in the workforce or the line or the cogs or whatever they end up calling it. Right, right. Like, I actually can't make that much of an impact anymore. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Um, so, what part do you focus on? You say the marketing, but it's like, are you. you but know. even then, we have a whole marketing team that right. deals with a lot of it. Uh, I deal with a lot of sales still. I'm not really, really selling myself, but talking with the sales leadership, figuring out what's wrong. So like my co-founder and I, what we like doing is we like looking at what things are wrong with an organization. How can we just fix them really fast? Yeah. We like ruffling the feathers. I know that sounds bad, but yeah. we like going in there and just fixing stuff. Basically the bottleneck fixers? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and who's your, who's your co-founder? His name is Mike Camo. He lives in Vegas Oh, as I know well. Mike. Um, yeah. Sorry. 
Yeah. Because so. I think you introduced me a long time ago. Yeah. No, that makes sense. He's a good guy. He's a really good operator. Yeah. And he's really good at sales and he's amazing at recruiting. Yeah. So I drove traffic and provided the money. He dealt with the rest. <laughs> nice, nice. So that's just um, the digital marketing agency. But don't you have uh, other things like Uber Suggest? And- yeah. So we have some software companies. We bought another one called Answer the Public earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, I remember you purchased, uh, not Hello Sign, it was a uh, Hello Bar. Hello Bar. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago. And then got out of that one. I didn't do well on that one. Uh, just right place, right opportunity. Didn't focus on it. Didn't put the resources behind it. Yeah. But yeah, I've done a lot of startups. And now what I just try to focus all my attention on is the ad agency and expanding internationally. Yeah, that's good. And what about the, um, the so how did, how did the acquisitions come about? Like, how do you determine what, you know, company you should acquire is it mainly softwares that just kind of help the, the agency? It's anything that we think fits in with our bigger picture. So, for example, like, let's say there was an agency that had tons of talent in all of Europe, but they didn't have the best economics. Yeah. But they had amazing people. I would go and buy them because I would have a much bigger Europe shop. And then I can fix the economics and I can grow the business much more. It takes a long time to recruit amazing talent. Yeah. Right. So like that would That's be what I've been hearing, fit. actually. Um, the other thing is like, let's say it's another software company that has a lot of user uh, users within our space and it plugs in within our ecosystem. And like the economics with the answer, the public acquisition on the breaking it down when we ended up buying it. It was doing it, we bought it for, I think, eight point six. It was doing around one hundred thousand dollars a month in profit. Yeah. No one was really focusing on it, so it wasn't really doing $100,000 a month in profit. It's doing around 120 ish thousand in revenue. So oh, when, when you think about that, if you have 120 in revenue, 100 in profit, most of the costs are server costs. That means you don't really have anyone working on the business. Right. So it's not going to grow. And when we looked at the traffic and the optimization from visitor to revenue, their economics were so off. We knew that if we owned it, we haven't spent the time on it. I think we acquired it in February or March, but we finally found the right people to start focusing on it. So yeah. it'll take like six, seven, eight months. It should have been generating, call it six, seven hundred thousand in revenue and four or five hundred thousand a month in profit. So wow. it was just a broken business. So that's just from the software end. Forty percent of our consulting customers for NP Digital come from Ubersuggest. So forget what revenue that generates. 40% of our customer base yeah. comes from there. So imagine if we take Answer the Public, which has the same audience, it was bought for 8.6. Let's say it was doing 100 grand a month in profit. Let's say we grow it. Maybe my team moves a little bit slow because we just have so many people and we're busy with so many products. Let's say it takes us a year from now to get it to the 400 a month in profit. All right, that means our payback period, once it gets going, and we integrate it within our business within two years at the latest, we'll end up making our money back. Yeah. Okay. But then all those visitors can also be consulting clients. That's true. That's extra money that the original owners couldn't have made from there. And we make way more from the consulting side than we do from the software side. So it's a cherry on the top for us. Yeah. So like it just works well within our ecosystem. No, that's that's powerful. You're basically finding companies that already have your audience um, and, you know, buying them Dude, out. You're great at marketing and PR. 
imagine not having to do the marketing and just buying the companies that are under monetized that have your audience and figure out a better way to monetize it's much easier than doing the marketing right that costs money but it's easier yeah yeah i've been uh i mean you know kind of taking a look at some of uh the people that i follow they they're starting to say like a lot of what's growing their business is through acquisitions because they don't have to necessarily build a business, which is a lot harder than just buying one. It, that it, it has is. Customers. And it's proven with private equity, right? If you look at a lot of the private equity shops, they mainly grow through acquisitions. And they do the one plus one equals three model in which you're taking two businesses, combining them, you're creating efficiencies, you're cross-selling, so you're generating more revenue than both those companies combined, yeah. and you're more efficient from an EBITDA standpoint. Hence, you get the model of one plus one equals three. Yeah, crazy. Um, okay, awesome. So now let's dive into, uh, you know, NP Digital. Um, I, I don't know the model too much, but I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, performance-based marketing. Yeah, so not like, uh, it's performance-based marketing where we help them with their SEO, paid advertising, uh, whether it's Google, Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, it doesn't matter what platform. Yeah. Uh, email marketing, conversion rate optimization. So the whole, the like, whole gamut. Yeah. Like if, if someone needs help with their social media, organic social media, we help them with that. If they need it with their paid, we help them with that. If they need help with creating content, we'll help them with that. Like we literally will do all ends yeah. of digital marketing. Yeah. And to me, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy to hear because um, sometimes you hear an entrepreneurship where it's like, don't be an all-stop you know, all stop shop. What do you, what do you think about that? Because you guys do all of it. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to scale, you got to end up expanding your TAM. But when you're starting off a business, it's really hard to be a jack of all trades. Um, but later on, when you have grown to a certain size, the only way to keep growing is you do more and more. Like if you look at a Microsoft, you know, Microsoft got started with Windows. Yeah. If you look at where a lot of their revenue comes from these days, Cloud computing, they got Bing ads, which is some, but Office is a huge suite. Outlook, Office, Teams, uh, um, not Photoshop, uh, PowerPoint, right? They got all these divisions. You know how many business tools? Uh, GitHub itself does over a billion in AR now. Microsoft announced that. They also have uh, Skype, huge revenue generating center for them. Yeah. They have a whole servers division, they have a tablet division. Like, think about how many products they actually have. Right, right. It's so many. Most people don't even know how many products they have. And the same goes with Apple. Apple has headphones, phones, uh, iPads. You also have computers, uh, laptops, and desktop yep. machines. You also got powerful desktop machines that are for people who are doing, like, video editing and stuff like that. They have their own software, right, solutions. Um, they generate revenue through advertising on your phone in the app store. There's music that they make money from. Yeah. The Beats by Dre was an acquisition. They ended right. up plugging it in and making better headphones, in my opinion, than Beats by Dre because now they got those AirPods. Yeah, yeah. Right? They got the watch. Like, they're now getting into the car industry. Yeah, that's true. These guys continually keep expanding. You have to end up doing... You got to increase your TAM, right? TAM stands for total addressable market. I know you know that, but just for anyone listening, yeah. the bigger the TAM, the easier it is to make money. The way you increase your TAM is you keep offering more services and you keep selling to more regions. Apple doesn't sell in the United States. Apple sells globally. Yeah. Their customer base isn't just in the US. They have phones even for lower income uh, regions, like they got the iPhone SE. Yeah. Can you give a couple of examples for um, different business different businesses? Because I think one of the big reasons why you're able to grow and expand upon the services is due to the business model. Um, and I think a lot of people don't get that right. 
um, or if they have it, you know, they don't know, you know, their, their true cost of fulfillment or things like that. Um, give a couple of good examples where, you know, people or, or things to think about when it comes to your business model, um, you know, to, to actually grow the business. Because I think that is a stop, you know, stopper for a lot of people. Well, well the first thing is, Tam, are you in a really big Tam? And yeah. what I mean by that is don't be a feature. Don't be a niche business. Which when is crazy because a lot of people say niche Yeah, the riches, riches are in the niches, yeah. which they're not. That is really false. If you look at all big companies, they're not niches. I just, oh, real quick, I just spoke to um, JC Height, um, who, I don't know if you know JC Height or not. No. Um, well, yeah, they, they, so they have like 100, uh, 180 employees. But basically, he was saying the same thing. He was saying like, you know, it's a false reality to kind of go into the yeah. niches. You, you don't grow that way. It's good to start off, but it's... Exactly. You can start off in a niche, but you better expand into a bigger market over time. Yeah. So the first thing that you want to look for is a big TAM. How can you disrupt a really big total addressable market? And here's what I mean by that. Search is a big market. Is there a way to disrupt it? Maybe hard. Um, Google is pretty much a monopoly. Yeah. And I know some other people out there are trying to build search engines. But as a user, people are happy with Google. There's not a pain point. You can have more relevant results, but people aren't really be like, oh, the results when I do a search on Google are irrelevant. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to disrupt that. Uber disrupted the taxi cab industry. Yep. And they made it even bigger because it was a pain to get a taxi. Terrible experience. Um, Apple increased the total market size of the watch industry and the headphone industry. Yeah. Why? Because they made products that were more usable and what people actually wanted versus what everyone has been doing for ages. So the first thing is Big Tam. The second thing is how can you end up being global? Because the money is not in the United States. The money is worldwide. Yes, yeah. you can still generate a lot of income from the United States, and it may be the biggest country where you make money from, but that's small thinking. The bigger thinking is there's seven-plus billion people in this world. How do you generate revenue from all of them? Yeah, that reminds me as well. Uh, are you familiar with Mr. Beast on YouTube? Yeah, I saw an article. How he's trying to raise money at a $1.5 billion valuation. Yeah, for him. yeah. In fact, um, he has uh, he created his own service where they do dubs. You know, they do dubbing for videos. So instead of just he, he has multiple channels where it's not just in English. He does it for other people. or He does it for himself. Both. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, know. he did, he does it for other people because he did it for himself. Um, and that's how he grew a lot of his. You know, so you know, I'm hearing I'm hearing that from you. I'm seeing that from other people and like. Yeah, so they're growing really quickly. Um, what would you recommend for a smaller agency that's you know, nowhere near the size of yours to, to start kind of like branching out into different regions? What's the first thing to do? Sure. So the first thing to do is just do one region, get really good at it, see where your traffic's coming from and see where your demand is coming from, and then slowly start expanding there. Or see where you have existing customers and see where you can upsell them into another region. Yeah. And that'll determine what regions you should add next. I also like looking at GDP of those regions, how much money is being spent on ads uh, in those mm. regions and the population, because that'll all give you an idea if that region's going to be uh, profitable. Then you also got to look at the unit economics uh, for any region. How much are you spending uh, to make that money? And if it's not profitable, then you got to tweak right. your model. And in the agency world, a lot of people don't do things like time tracking and figure out where there's wastage. It doesn't mean you got to do time tracking and be like, oh, a client only gets X hours. It's more so... Where's your team wasting hours, even with the client? Because if, they, if they're paying you X amount of dollars and you're allocating hours to it, yeah. are you actually efficient with those hours for that customer? If not, then you got to fix that because just because they're paying you and you give them those hours, that's not enough. You need to be getting them the results. That's true. Um, but that's really how I look at international expansion. But the 
but the big thing is is start off small and then you can start off in a niche and then slowly start expanding yeah how do you determine um pricing in a different region because i'm assuming pricing is just different easiest way is go hit up your competitor competitors and see what they charge and that'll give you a good idea (laughs) yeah that is easy um awesome dude awesome well for a lot of people that are listening um i think i think you have a wide variety of people that are you know new and then also you know a lot of them are, are bigger level companies um what's one advice that you would give to probably the newcomers somebody like me that probably just heard about neil patel for the first time um to kind of get started yeah what i would do is if you're trying to get started figure out what problem you want to solve for people if you solve a big problem there's a lot of money to be made yeah and not a problem that's already been solved and people are happy with that solution People are happy with their AirPods. You can go create another version of them, but it doesn't mean you're going to generate sales. They're happy with them. There's not really a problem to solve there. But there's a lot of issues out there that still haven't been solved. Where's the technology in the kitchen, right? Yeah. These days, people still spend a lot of time cooking just like they did 50 years ago. Maybe not as much, but it's both husband and wife or you know both uh, partners cooking. And what you're seeing is, Where's the technology that helps them be more efficient there? Yeah, some people are trying to create like that June oven and stuff like that, but like they haven't really cracked the nut on how to make that portion of your life easier. Dishwashers, they're cool. Still the same thing that they used to be years ago. Yeah, maybe they're more water efficient, which is great for the environment, and I respect that. Right. But like it's still the same old archaic technology. Like people aren't making your lives easier. Dude, when we brush, we all brush our teeth at least twice a day, right? You're supposed to do morning and night. Sometimes I do after meals as well. Yeah. Why is it that, that when I, I floss, you got to floss each teeth. I get that. That's a pain. And then you brush. Why isn't that I can't just put something in my mouth and it just brushes them all for me all at once or like have some tablet and it just like foams up and it just like, you know, kind of like a dishwasher and just cleans it. Yeah. Like I don't understand why people haven't come up with something that's more efficient and just better and more convenient. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, we all focus on, hey, how can we do some new software from the internet or a new blog or something you know that someone else is doing, but we're not actually trying to solve problems that people are still facing. Like yeah. there's so many problems that people every day, if someone invented a tablet that you just put in your mouth and within 10 seconds, it brushes your whole mouth or does the same thing as brushing so you don't actually have to brush and it does a better job, I bet you everyone would start buying those tablets yep. instead of, brushing their teeth manually yeah and that's a that's a you could tell like that's a true innovator right there because you think about you know what problems even things that are mundane right if you can if you can make them faster smoother um you know things like that you just kind of you just kind of improve the the model um and things that have been outdated for years you know can be improved so yeah like here's another one we all take showers when you shower use body wash or soap and you scrub yourself when you go through a car wash, why don't you have to do that? The machine does it all. Yeah. Why do I have to go in my shower and do that? Why didn't I just stand in there and it just was like, all right, measurements, just <laughs> yep, like yep. a car, and then just you know makes it fast and efficient. Like I just don't get this. And people aren't really trying to solve these problems that everyday people have. Right. And they think that, oh, this is how it's been done for 30, 40, 50 years, still works. Yeah, that's great, but there are many better ways to do a lot of the things that we all spend time on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, Neil, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for coming. Um, and where can people find you? NP digital. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. They were telling me like five minutes. In the-